0: So we are looking at least for the next five years at a very, very low interest rate environment. And that's a good thing. I think one of the big risks to the economy is that if interest rates get put up too quickly, we could burst the housing bubble because it will push up the cost of repayments. Um, and that could then have flow on effects to the wider construction industry and jobs and you know, broader economic confidence. So I think there's a lot more money and I always go where the money is going and the money's backing a low interest rate environment
1: at the moment. Hello, hello, hello. It's Dominic Neshi here with another episode of our Wealthy Podcast. Today, we're very lucky to have Luke Dixon, Head of Research or Real Estate Research from AMP Capital. Luke, thank you for joining the show today. Uh um, you, no Dom.
0: Good to be here.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, we, we get to watch and see a lot of your comments on the market and AMP certainly manages lots and lots of money around the world and You've got a very good lens on what's happening in real estate, so I was very excited to get you on the show today. Interesting. Um, What's happening in the real estate market? Let's, Uh Let's kick it off with the broad, big questions.
0: I think the hardest job in real estate at the moment, and being a researcher, has been forecasting where the market's going to go in the last 12 months. I think with COVID and all the economic volatility around China, it's just been so hard to predict where things are going to go. But... You know, as we as we come out of COVID and thankfully in Australia now we're getting those vaccination rates really, really high. Um, so, you know, I can actually go and get a haircut again, which is something I desperately need to get. Uh, but all jokes aside, I think as the vaccination rates improve and we start to move into a proper recovery, yeah, we're going to see that really sharp V-shaped recovery. And you know, economists talk about recoveries as U-shapes and V-shapes and Ws. But I think we are set for a very sharp V-shaped recovery. And by that i mean we're going to say all of those household savings come back into the market so people spending money on holidays household goods even buying homes which you know we're obviously seeing in the resi market you know being fueled and on the back of that we're going to have low interest rates probably for quite some time you know one of the one of the things that people really aren't talking about is that through covid not just here in australia but all around the world governments have borrowed trillions and trillions of dollars And that's to fund effectively job payments, infrastructure, things to get us through the downturn of COVID. And that means that bond rates and interest rates are gonna have to stay low if governments have any chance of being able to meet the cost of that debt. And so when I start to look at the economic picture, I start to look at the cost of debt and I start to look at how households are feeling about things and unemployment's still pretty low. You're looking to 22 to see a very strong economic response And that typically coincides with, you know, good returns on real estate and particularly on commercial real estate. So I know the office market and the retail market have had their challenges, but, you know, coming into 22, we're probably going to see that sugar hit. You know, people I think now are really keen to get back to the office and engage with their employees, engage with their peers, their friends. You know, again, get out of the tracksuit pants and back into their suits if they can still fit into them. Uh, but, you know, get back into that office environment again, I think more so than last year and um, on the retail front, there's so much money just sitting there waiting to be spent in household budgets. So I think next year we're going to see returns across all the major commercial asset classes really pick up. Um, but what we're also seeing out of COVID too is some new asset classes emerging. So I think there's going to be a few opportunities coming there. And. You know, for yield hunting investors i think next year and the year after you're going to see very strong income returns across most of the asset classes um, and that's office retail logistics and you know some of the newer ones that are coming out too
1: luke you said so much there that i just i feel like i could say i could dive into seven or eight different topics <laughs> so okay. thank you for that was a great sort of a bridge version of everything um it's interesting hearing you say that we're in for a v-shape recovery because yep. for many of us out there it feels like it feels like things are going quite well and and you know for a lot of us that are looking at real estate it's like well how much further can the market run it feels like there's so much confidence we we're, we're seeing um, double digit growth in all of the all the states across australia we're seeing 20% mm. price growth in many of them and to hear you then say that there's a recovery ahead of us, it's, mm. it's, 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 um, it's interesting to hear you say that. When you say recovery, what do you mean by that? Is it, is it the economy at large or what yeah. parts of the economy are we seeing going to rebound? Is it wage growth or?
0: Yeah, there's a couple of, there's a couple of factors that I think will underpin that. Um, one is that, yeah, we do have very low unemployment and that's been largely because even with all the restaurants and the cafes and the hospitality sector being shut down, yeah, we've managed to keep people employed because the government's bridging the cost gap for that at the moment. The real question comes is when the government pulls the stimulus back, will they still have those jobs? Will those jobs still be there? And if you look at where you know consumers are likely to spend and they're going to spend a lot on restaurants and a lot of hospitality and a lot on travel in the next twelve months, then yeah you know, I'm confident that those jobs will remain in place because, yeah, with population growth in this country dropping because we have lower migration rates, we're going to need all of those people. So we are going to have some labour shortages potentially across those sectors. So low unemployment for the next 12 months to two years is going to be part of life. The last time we had that was you know 2006, 2007. Yeah, we had shortages in labour, particularly around the construction industry. Um, and you know, as we look forward, I'm confident that with low unemployment, stronger wage growth, um, that's going to stimulate some really strong above average GDP growth, which yeah, benefits the whole economy.
1: Yeah, that's that's really good to hear, to hear that, you know, there is going to be a shortage of people out there. So we will see some of that wage growth that people have been looking to as an economic indicator of, you know, the disparity between wage growth and and property prices. It's good to see that then picking back up. Yeah. Um
0: and we we need that too like the growth in house prices has been accelerating really dramatically and if wages don't keep up with that growth it becomes you know you start to make a really unaffordable market even more unaffordable like and unattainable so um yeah we do need a bit of a catch-up in that wage growth
1: the other thing that you said there which was uh at the tip of many people's tongues is you know interest rates staying low and I feel like many of the conversations I'm having in YouTube comments, and I don't, I don't tell anyone to go jump in the YouTube comments, <laughs> but even clients that are coming and talking to me, having a quiet word, they are scared that interest rates are going to rise over the next two or three years. How could they possibly stay this low for as long as you're suggesting? And are these fears are they unfounded? Like, wh- yeah. help, help I- shed I- some light there
0: yeah no that's fine i think there's a couple of reasons that i say this and i'm not going to get too technical with it but the main reason that the cash rate and interest rates go up is because inflation goes up and there's been an enormous amount of talk in the media about inflation going up and there is a risk if wages go up too much and other parts of the economy that drive inflation go up too much in terms of their costs so utilities and other things like that that inflation can spike and i think in the short term we will see higher inflation The reason, though, that I remain confident that interest rates will remain low by historic standards. Now, the important term here is low. They are not going to stay the same as they are today. Uh, They will move up eventually. Inevitably, they have to move up. We have at absolute record low um, interest rates and they are designed to help stimulate the economy at the moment. So we are in stimulus mode that stimulus mode will clearly have to slow down at some point. So as the economy normalizes and we start to move back into what I would consider a more traditional form of growth, um, we will see that stimulus come back. But let's put it in context. In 2007, interest rates or the cash rate that the RBA sets got up to nearly 6% at that stage. Now, today it's less than 0.25%. So if interest rates were to get back to where they were in 2007, you know, the Reserve Bank would have to increase the cash rate close to 45 times in order to achieve that. Now, the reason that they won't do that is that one, that this, the federal government here and you know, governments around the world are issuing bonds at 50, 100, 150 basis points because they need cheap debt to fund a lot of their spending. So that will keep interest rates low. That will suppress global interest rates for some time. So I think what you'll end up with is that interest rates will rebound. They'll probably rebound to somewhere between 100 to 200 basis points, depending on how strong the growth and inflation is, but that's going to take a long time. And even the uh, governor of the Reserve Bank came out and said, we're not thinking that interest rates will return to what we consider a normal albeit low rate for at least four to five years. Um, So we are looking at least for the next five years at a very, very low interest rate environment. And that's a good thing. I think one of the big risks to the economy is that if interest rates get put up too quickly, we could burst the housing bubble because it will push up the cost of repayments. um, And that could then have flow-on effects to the wider construction industry and jobs and broader economic confidence. So I think there's a lot more money and I always go where the money is going. And the money's backing a low interest rate environment at the moment.
1: Okay. So it, it, it does sound like we are walking a little bit of a tight wire. You know, we, it is a balancing act and we're trying yep. to make sure we don't go two way, one way or the other way. And when you say low interest rate environment next five years, what could that look like for the average investor when they're getting money out of the bank? What, what do you anticipate that could look like Is it a normalized low rate environment?
0: I think we're going to continue to see investors moving away from the traditional asset classes such as equities, although equities have been delivering fantastic returns uh, in the last couple of years, uh, particularly for the tech sector, but fixed income, so things like bonds and you know high interest savings account. I think a high interest savings account now barely delivers you 2%. So I think we're still going to see appetite from investors for yield hunting. Uh, they're going to be looking at asset classes that can deliver that sort of 4, 5, 6% yield. Um, investor expectations i think have really changed as well so you know after the gfc investors looking at say commercial real estate probably wanted a, an income yield of about 6 to 10% somewhere in that range now they've they're comfortably accepting anywhere from 4 to 6% and that's still considered you know with at low risk you know, like a core investment um and that's still considered you know fairly healthy by today's standards when you compare it against bonds but obviously as bond yields and interest rates start to move back up you know that that spread will still be top of mind for investors and i think in that situation you know commercial real estate is still in a strong position to deliver that four five six percent income dividend um over the long term particularly if we're going to see those really strong economic conditions i talked about
1: Okay. So for people that are out there thinking about uh, trying to normalize or rationalize what a good rate of return is on say residential real estate,
0: mm-hmm. if they
1: can secure a four, five, you know, 6%, these are good. This is a good sort of a gross yield for them to go secure, especially if, you know, they're going and getting banked at at two or 3%. And, and just to sort of harp on a little bit here, because this really is a sore point to people's pockets and how they think about, you know, the future. Um, if if the banks are to create some, if they if they are to raise rates, you know, um, half a percent, maybe one percent over sort of the five-year term, that could mean that what bank rates would be at that four or five percent, that could be a, a reasonable expectation is a, a five-year yeah, projection? The,
0: the retail rate. So, yeah, you know, what you end up actually paying the bank would uh, be great if we just paid the cash rate. Yeah, um, but yeah, you know, the, the retail rate would probably creep up to about four to four and a half percent in that range. Um, okay. which you know, as as my parents' generation will tell you, is still incredibly cheap. Yeah, um, now they'll tell us about 18%. <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, my parents were always telling me, and you, know, you uh, having parents that came through that generation of the 90s is always great experience when you're looking at buying a house yourself. Yeah, they always tell you that, you know, always budget a 10% interest rate because that's what they got conditioned to.
1: Yeah. I could tell someone's age by the comment that they leave. Someone will say 10% budget, some will say 7% budget. Yeah, and then right. others, you know, our generation are now saying, you know, budget five or four. Five. Yeah. <laughs> that's you right. Um, so when you earlier, you said um, that there are, different opportunities and there are new commercial retail uh, investments that are popping up what did you mean by that are there some emerging markets well, that think, you're seeing
0: i think yeah you and you've hit the nail on the head you know the, the hunt for yield over the next 10 years is going to be really focused on getting the best income return and when you look across all the different sectors in one form or another they all deliver a fairly good income return but, you know, making sure that you get the right part of that sector in the right location is critical to your stock selection. So when you're looking at retail, it's easy to just bundle everything into the same basket. And, you know, retail's had its challenges, obviously, with online shopping increasing and increasing dramatically during COVID. You know, we've seen that whole model come under challenge. But on the flip side, we've also seen our smaller shopping centres, what we call like a neighbourhood centre, or a sub-regional centre, particularly in the inner city, you see increases in foot traffic and increases in sales because their income typically comes from things like supermarkets and alcohol stores and other essential convenience-based items. So you're not walking in there buying expensive sweaters and household goods, you're buying things that you need every day, every week. So the income that supports those assets is pretty solid because it's reliant on where consumers are spending their money. And that's why on the economy, The macro story can seem really big and sort of irrelevant to real estate, but it's actually really relevant because if consumers are spending, it means they're supporting shopping centers. If employers are hiring, it means they're supporting office buildings because they're bringing more people into it. And it's also supporting logistics because they're bringing more people in to distribute goods, pack goods, and do all of those other activities that underpin the economy. And that's really what you need to generate a good return on a commercial real estate asset. But in terms of what we're seeing at come out of COVID and in the lead up to COVID, you know, there's been a lot of tech disruption. There's been a lot of changes in the way consumers access retail goods and a range of other services. So that's having implications for the whole sector. So I think coming out of COVID, there's been a bias towards assets that potentially tap into government spending. So there's been a lot of support for road infrastructure, rail infrastructure, those kind of things. But also there's been a lot of support for medical centres. Um, particularly because there's GP payments coming from Medicare, so they're underpinned by the government. But there's also been support for technology-led sectors, data centres. You know, one of the big growth stories that of our generation, and it's going to be the next generation, the one after that, has been the growth and demand for data services. So you're going to need more and more data support in order to store that and, you know, in, encourage the growth in that market. And that's a really long-term theme um, that you can play into. So. I think as we come out of COVID, I'm confident about the state of the sector because yes, there's some structural challenges. Obviously, as we go back to work, office is going to have some you know short-term delays in terms of people coming back to work as they get adjusted to the new normal. Retail obviously is going to have to continue to contend with growing online, but there's going to be other pockets of opportunity. So it's going to be a much wider market uh, in terms of where you can access it. Uh, and I think that gives you know, more diversification and in a nutshell, what you want for this point in the cycle, particularly when there's still a bit of global volatility around the US and China and the global economy and a whole range of different factors, even domestically here. you know, We've got a few elections coming up next year. So you know, with all of that volatility playing out, getting some diversification is important as well.
1: Look, it sounds like there are, if I'm looking at the world through your lens and through your eyes, it feels like there's a world of opportunity ahead of us. It's almost like you can see a golden dawn ahead. Coming <laughs> out of COVID, it feels like there's prosperity ahead. People have got cash reserves that they've saved. They're ready to go and spend it in a wide range of markets, in retail and shopping, and you know logistics and tourism. And that then begets further jobs and employment. And there's going to be rising in income. And it, it really does feel like a bright future. And uh, it, it's it's giving me it's adding to my optimism.
0: I think um, it's good to be optimistic. I I have to really be careful in the sense that I wear a hat that looks at risk a lot of the time. So you look a lot at downside risk. And at the moment, you know, we're spending a lot of time in my team, you know, analyzing what's the downside risk to the different sectors. And clearly we're seeing some record prices being paid for some of these assets, particularly the logistics sector. In the last 10 years, that's just grown exponentially. And to be honest with you, there's probably more, based on our forecast, there's probably still more growth to go in that sector um because there's a big imbalance between the amount of supply of good quality logistics stock and the demand for it you know it's not just amazons it's all the other domestic players that are starting to pop up as well and they need high quality fulfillment and distribution facilities and there just aren't enough of them so from that perspective it's good i look i think optimism is important but you can't have rose colored glasses you have to be Ah. realistic and from my perspective, if you're trying to get the best income returns, um, chasing the, them, the, the thematics, I suppose, around what's going to generate growth, where that growth is going to come from, and Australia's in a pretty good spot by global standards. And this will all come about, I believe at a time when population growth is going to be still quite slow. We're not going to have that mass migration level return probably for some time. So we're going to have labour shortages and we're going to have potentially fairly strong wage growth flow through the economy. Um, And that won't be a bad thing for a while Uh, we've needed wage growth for quite some time so these all combine again though the headline risk around that is inflation you know inflation can still eat into an economy um and start to you know affect and disrupt pricing and yeah we're starting to see the effects of that in the us um already and you know obviously the central banks over there talking about tapering and all of those kind of economic terms that you know we deal with but Australia isn't immune to those kind of inflationary risks. And so on the risk side, inflation and interest rates will always be top of mind and where they can go because they can move very quickly. Um, But there is so much of the economy, but also so much investment demand chasing what we call real assets or alternative assets like real estate um, because of its income generating qualities. And I think on the resi front, you know, if you're looking at residential investments, in a low interest rate you know cheap debt environment you know, achieving a return of sort of four or five percent yields depending on the market that you're in uh is obviously going to be you know probably more realistic um than what it has been in the past but you've just got to obviously benchmark that against how much capital growth you're going to get at the same time and that's where resi and commercial are just so different um yeah we very much look at commercial as an income play so you go there to get that five six seven percent yield Uh, Whereas yeah, residential, typically it's a lot more about capital growth than it is the income growth. Income is really about servicing your costs, but ultimately it's about getting that capital growth as well.
1: Absolutely. And so out of that, it feels like the major risk and for us, all of us out there, laymen looking at the market, the one thing that we should be sort of just keeping an eye on is inflation to see what happens with those numbers, because that could be a risk. But then as you've suggested, uh, investing in high income producing assets and real assets is a bit of inflationary, a way to hedge a bit of those inflationary pushes. Because I mean, inflation, if you've tied your your rent to inflation or to CPI, then you're okay.
0: And that's that's the distinct advantage that commercial real estate has over a residential asset. Um, Most of the rents are linked to a market or CPI increase year on year. So it could be three or four percent. So, you know, typically you can hedge your income against that. It may it may reduce the value long-term, but it can hedge your income against that.
1: Well, look, I know that um, the dogs are going crazy and I know Their that you're a busy, busy man. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you just one last question and then we'll wrap it all up. Sure. Uh, do you... Wh- how do you see the world opening up and, and uh, migration impacting us? Like assuming that we do see those migration numbers come back two to three hundred thousand people coming into the country again what kind of an impact do you see that having on on the australian economy
0: look i hope that does happen because migration for australia is one of the strongest drivers of our economy uh, we are a country that's been built on migration and there's a very i know it's contentious uh, politically to talk about migration and i get that but on the flip side you know without the migration that we've had we wouldn't have the economic growth and the wealth that we have as well. Now, with migration comes challenges, obviously around infrastructure, jobs and a range of other factors. But I think by and large, on balance, Australia has managed that very well. I'm confident migration levels will resume because by global standards, Australia is going to look like a very safe harbour. it's going to be a country that's going to achieve 85% plus vaccinations based on the numbers that we're seeing come out today. That will be within the top 10 countries in the world for vaccination rates. Now we're up there with Israel, Singapore, et cetera. So we'll be a beacon to a lot of people around the world to come into Australia. And the most common way they'll come in is through student visas. So it'll be a burn for our universities and our education sector. That's become a major export of ours internationally. And then the flow and effect of that will be the demand for housing will be probably more solidly underpinned. But also consumer spending will be more solidly underpinned australia's population growth has more in common with like a third world developing african country uh, than it does with a typical developed country you know we typically grow at about one and a half to two percent per year whereas the us uk and you know western european countries we compare ourselves against grow at about a third of that so that's been the reason i think over the long term we had that 30 years plus of uninterrupted gdp growth and The reason for that was we had strong migration levels that came through and they bring an enormous amount of wealth and also enormous amount of depth and talent to our economy. So I think, you know, broadly speaking for real estate, but also for all other investment classes, you want to have a high population growth rate. And besides, we've got the room.
1: We do. Luke, thank you very much for that. That was uh, was one of the most comprehensive breakdowns I have heard about migration and the impacts that it has. It's something that a lot of us think about, maybe not as deeply as you have. It was an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. It was a, you know, it's good to hear the long term impacts and where we see the market going. So, to have a a thorough breakdown of where the economy is and where it's going to play out, I'm feeling more optimistic today. So, (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much for joining us on the show. And um, we look forward to having you on the show again soon.
0: Okay. Thanks, Tom.
1: So any of you out there that uh, listened, like something or maybe disagree with something that we've said here, please leave it in the comments below. We'll be sure to jump in and and, and duke it out. Or if you liked it, share it with all your friends and we'll catch you all later.
0: Thank you.